and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. Today, we're talking to John Colwell, and John is a visual artist. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cool. Okay, so you're a visual artist. Tell us about your art. Uh, Yeah, I do lots of different art, I guess, but right now, specifically, my main focus is painting. I used to be a quote unquote, John of all trades, but I figured I should focus on something specific. So I started painting and, uh, or started focusing on specifically painting. And then it got me into doing murals and stuff. So I do lots of um, mural work for places, mostly in the GTA and the Durham District School Board and stuff like that, Um, different communities around. And then on my own time and kind of like my my, uh, personal direction, I've been doing lots of, I guess you could say like, pop culture mashups and things of that sort. So yeah, painting's my, my main medium, but I've done like logo work and some digital stuff as well. Yeah, and you um, work on what you call your uh, nostalgic sort of childhood characters and things like that in, 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 and put those into your work. Describe those. What, what were those characters that you? So, well, there's a whole bunch of them, but it's like, cause I kind of dissected what I was doing in art and when I make up characters or different things it's like there's there's an audience for it but there's already huge audiences that these nostalgic figures like everything from like Betty Boop to Kermit the Frog and the Ninja Turtles and things like that they already hold like a piece of like people's like hearts almost right so it's like if I could kind of find a way to recreate those in a way that I enjoyed painting and that touched touched people in whatever way that is already alive in them kind of thing I thought that it would draw more eyes to to the work and so far so good to be honest yeah and you the other thing that I've seen of your work is where yes you paint on like a a birch cradled panel, traditional kind of a painting surface for um, square or rectangular shaped paintings. But you also do some things where you're skill saw cutting and layering the work. Describe that. Yeah, so that was kind of, that was, yeah, I don't know. So trying to think of how I should explain how I got into it basically because there's a couple artists that I follow they're more like sculptural as a whole and I just kind of wanted to add depth to my pieces because they're really like bright and bubbly and almost like characters and depth was going to help that so I kind of took like I didn't really even paint for a year I just kind of like deep dove into woodworking and scroll saw I have a scroll saw multiple and band saw I have just like all the tools and everything. I don't even have a garage. So my basement is a mess sometimes and my front porch and stuff. But uh, yeah, I just kind of like went hard on the woodworking thing so I could then implement it into my art, which last year, I guess maybe two years ago, I started actually trying that. 
and then it came full circle when we did this show at uh scuba guards with the world's collide and uh i i don't know how many i ended up doing for that but they were they were awesome and well received yeah but it was just i use uh, like mdf or birch or different kinds of wood and just uh yeah do layered kind of character cutouts and stuff and i took that from like sign makers and just and again just mashed up two things that i enjoyed and thought would look cool and i think that i i've managed to do it at least to some capacity yeah you know, it was a great uh exhibition i remember that it was just so full of color and graffiti and that feeling and and yeah it was just fabulous now you don't you you are um an artist who is indigenous, but you don't refer to yourself or use indigenous as an adjective to describe, you don't say I'm an indigenous artist. And why is that? As much as like, it is part of my identity and like defines part of me, it doesn't, I don't think it should define like the, the art because everything I do is an indigenous piece of art, but it doesn't necessarily have to look like the woodland style or like Norval more so and different things like that to like the untrained eye to be like, Oh, an Indian did that basically, you know, as opposed to like, why does that have to be a selling point in my art? Like, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a, a weird way to go about it. Cause like, I don't know anybody else's background or ethnicities because of they, they painted a Ninja Turtle with the domino on it. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah a native person did that. Cool. Cool. I'm going to jump on it. Like, yeah. it seems so odd to me to, and especially for me to be like, I'm an indigenous artist to like push that down, like people's throat, like it's a religion. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, you know what I notice in working in the gallery is when we have someone's work there, um, they, People coming in, they, when it does look like, and I put this in quotes, indigenous art, and I'm going to say Jeremy LePage's work is like that, where people come in and they they see things that are iconic and have symbolism is in them that they think of as indigenous. They want to know that the painter or the creator was indigenous. So although he as a painter doesn't identify himself and say, well, I'm an indigenous artist. He is, but people want to be reassured that if someone's using these icons that they think of as indigenous icons, that, that, that it's actually an indigenous yeah, it's a weird, artist. It, it's a weird fine line with that stuff too, because like you don't want to support, like if somebody's out there making dream catchers and other things like moccasins or leather work or beadwork and all that stuff, and they're not indigenous, but they're like cashing in on the indigenous aspect of the art and stuff like that like it's why it's kind of like convoluted weird situation anyway yeah. so it's like it's hard to tiptoe through it and stuff like that but like i guess i'm indigenous so i can say it yeah <laughs> like yeah that, so. well that's why i asked you to 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 do that for us yeah so and i'm i don't know i don't know if the, my picture will be on the podcasting or whatnot but like most people look at me and they assume like they're not gonna offend me and that's par for the course like i'm very very open to like having these conversations with people in general and stuff. Cause I don't know, some people just don't know. And like ignorance is fine because like, it's not like it's coming from a place of or a bad place. Right. But yeah. um, a lot of people are afraid to have the conversations or ask the questions cause they don't want to offend anybody and things like that. Yeah. So describe your practice. How do you, what's your process? What do you go through in, in making the work you do? Um, I guess I have a different process for different things kind of, and I've just kind of started like, deep diving into it more so because 
when Jeff and I did that show, he has a very like artistic process and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I just like to paint pictures. I'm like, <laughs> well, he's things, also, right? he's that bit of crossover as you are of doing design work. Yes. We're talking about Jeffrey Lane here who does, he does design work as well. So he's he, mostly design work. Right. Yes. And then he is um, a visual artist as well of his own personal things. So he gets directed to do design work and then he does his own things. So, you know, and you both do a little of that, of both, right? Yep. So, yeah. So he has to have a process because of that yeah, background. Yeah, mine's my stuff is weighted more towards like the physical art and stuff and his is his is more digital, but like we both he used to do much more like hands-on work than he does now with like uh, computer design and stuff like that, but He's uh, ever since that show, he's been super inspired to um, start creating more, and he's going to going to do that. Actually, he's coming down, and we're going to start doing just like a a drink and draw or whatever, and get some get some stuff going. Because him and I try to collab on something just on our own mm -hmm. whenever we can. So yeah. Oh, sounds like another show coming up then. <laughs> we should we should book Fing you into book crossed. you into twenty twenty three and yeah, get that down on paper because I know that that sometimes helps. So, yeah, yeah. so you do design sometimes and do the drawing digitally on a tablet and then. Oh yeah, my process. I yeah. completely ignored that question. That's okay. <laughs> so describe it though, because I uh, think that's very, you know, it's 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 unique to design yeah, digital. So my style as a whole, it was hard for me to get it out of my head onto paper with like my big fat lines and things like that. And I had like the spatial awareness was tough because I didn't have like a super, you know, thin to thick, like a uh, ink pen or paintbrush or whatever. And like when I bought an iPad, it changed my process completely and it helped mm -hmm. me. Like, I think I've grown more in the last, like whatever it was, two years or three years than I have like my whole life because Mind you, I'm putting more time and effort into everything as opposed to just a hobby, but um, the process has been streamlined and I do everything as like a digital rendering first. And then mm -hmm. um, whether it's a mural, I just do it small on my iPad and blow it up and we'll project it onto the wall, trace it out or grid it and then put it up that way. Or um, when I'm just doing a panel, I just do a drawing relative to size before I blow it up and then as you said earlier, I do them on like um, well, wood panels. Mm -hmm. I just love the flat. I don't like canvases with the give and stuff. I like rigid surfaces, nice, nice and smooth, because I like my stuff to look like a computer did it. I want it to look like. Mm -hmm. I want it. I want people to see it and be like, "Is that a painting?" Yeah, and like and yeah. like have it fall over the edges and stuff, and just kind of. Um, yeah, see, see. Yeah, there's no texture in your work. Yeah. You want it smooth and yeah. I make a yeah. point to try and make it as smooth as I can, like seamless essentially. But um, yeah, I just do it all digitally and then I uh, figure out my values and colors and stuff like that. And then um, for the big ones, I'll print it out. I'll print it out. There's a place in town here I do large scale and then transfer it onto my my canvases and stuff and essentially paint by numbers after that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's interesting. And you call it paint by numbers too, because um, you designed the mural that's outside the Scugog art space as a community project. Yep. So, um, and, and we called it when we were uh, asking people to come out and paint, we were able to ask people who were artists, but we were also able to ask the general public to come out because it was 
quite literally for them, paint by numbers. So describe what you did. What was the process of designing that mural and um, involving the community? So it was very similar to what I just said about the other stuff is I just kind of uh, figured out the dimensions and I, I don't know if I took a photo of the wall, if I mocked it up or I cut it up after the fact, but um, I knew it was going to be four different pieces, but a continuous background. So I drew, I drew the line work for it and stuff and then took away the in-between so they could all stand alone as individual paintings, but still be one cohesive piece with like a continuous background and stuff. So yeah. um, I basically did it exactly how I would do any other painting or, or a mural, but then just left it blank after we traced it out to give it to the community and kind of just go hard on it. And then I came in and swooped in at the end and lined it all. In the black line at the end. The yeah. black lines is like what brings everything together. Or yeah. In this, in this case, it was black lines, but um, yeah, you can trust people to paint any colors and fill in spaces and stuff like that, but it's definitely tougher and you need to have like confidence in yourself and pulling a nice steady black line and, uh, keep it clean. And stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of my job. And it helped that there were some professional painters yes. that were painting it that, and, and we kind of lined them up at the end because we figured they could clean up a lot of things and they did. That was yes. probably really helpful too. It was so. fun seeing it. Cause it's like, like the second day, maybe it was just like, Oh no, a couple of people went out of lines a little bit. This doesn't look very solid, but then you come back the day after and somebody else had come through and done it, but D cleaned it up the beauty in it that everybody got, got a piece of it. So I think that's fun. Yeah. So John, you also sit on the board of, um, the Scugog council for the arts. So what attracted to you to that organization? It scared me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, uh, I try and put myself in weird situations that like kind of, you know, get the, get the blood pumping a bit because it, if you're comfortable, you're blowing it, I think. So I think you gotta, you gotta put yourself into those weird situations or like say yes to things that you wouldn't normally say yes to, or get out of your comfort zone in general in life, especially in things for personal growth and stuff, because I kind of have this like, uh, motto in my life that it's just like shark mentality and it's like always moving forward. And then even like, if it's a little bit, it's still progress. So I just always want to be on like an upward trajectory. Yeah. I think that was like, part of the reason that I, that I took that because I like the idea of being like involved in the community, like on the reserve and in town, I don't really have that option. And this is perfect because it's right up my alley. And I thought that like, I think I was the youngest person on it ever. Well, we laugh. Remember we said, oh yeah, not just our youngest, but our most tattooed. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't our most tattooed board member. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have that record. <laughs> I think you, yeah, I, I, I think you've got that record and you're going to keep that but record. But the youngest has already been broken, I think now, yeah, which yeah. is great, which yeah, is awesome. That's really and cool. I think that like, I don't know, since I've been on it too and seeing how it was before and stuff like that, obviously it was great. And they laid the foundation for what we have now, but like, this is kudos to Marion. You nailed it. I love yeah. it. I think we we've done some cool stuff, and now yeah. with like yeah. everything opening back up and COVID and whatnot, I think that uh, the next year or two will even be. So what? Tell me what scared you. Was it the fact that oh, it it really it's a charitable organization, so there's rules you have to follow. Was it that? Was it? Uh, gee, I don't know what I can give. No, Was it, I don't. I know what? so. I don't normally like rules and stuff like that in general, but that's not what scared me about this. And it was just like, 
my thing is, is coming into it. And a lot of, a lot of people have like set ways. I'm like, this is how we've always done it. And I know like whether people like to admit it or not, Port Perry like thrives on that stuff. Oh yeah. Right? And it's like the old we need, way we've we been doing this a hundred years, all kinds of aspects of the way Port Perry's run, I think too. And, but like, I think that, uh, it's been very historically like, you know, landscapes and this, that, the other, and not really like some of the new, new, not, it's not even new anymore. I think like art in general and stuff and the direction that I would like to see it go and, um, just implementing those like changes or having like a, a fresh voice. Like that was my thing of being like, um, um, intimidated by being like the person to say it essentially. Cause I mm. know it's not going to, it wasn't going to be taken like, with open arms basically and it, you'd end up stirring the pot and yes. that would and that's uncomfortable and just like you know little little uh tips here and there it's like you say something and then the classic words are like well this is how we've always done it and it's like well yeah it's obviously not it's obviously not working that well anymore so it's like mix up the medicine a little bit yeah 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 whereas i think you know i keep trying to impress on people we have this kind of motto different better special every time you do the next thing even though you've done it before you look at what you did and you say well what would we do to make it different yep what would we do to make it special what would we do better or what could make it better and, and you just apply that to everything you're doing yeah and like like i said too and because right you were did you not become president right as i right got yeah in? so yeah, that was absolutely. like I had a couple meetings and then it very like it kind of boiled down for a bit and then now we're kind of back up into like we've got new board members and different different people and different uh thought processes and stuff like that and i think it's been super great and none of those things that i thought were going to happen really happened like like i said before a couple little things here and there but it was it's been awesome and yeah just like from the gala to like the arts parties and stuff and just even the the whole gallery space and the co-op and stuff like that is awesome for the growth and it's like the it's creating like a um visibility for us and yeah the arts scene yes. in scugog and adding like these new artists and different different uh processes and stuff like that is cool yeah now you so you're a band member of the mississaugas of scugog island first nation and um you as as part of that band you've helped with powwow yes and um so tell us what you did um in working with the powwow what what kind of role did you take on so with like i don't know over the years like i used to work there a bunch too over the summers and stuff for contract and whatnot so just setting up and all that stuff but on my own personal level of doing it it's like i do the um the powwow booths so i kind of oversee the application process and again that was kind of something that i took over and you know this is how we've always done it yeah yeah <laughs> and so i got to do it for for one year and then uh COVID hit yeah so i still technically am but we haven't had it since then but yeah i just over oversee the uh the booths and the vendors and and that sort of thing yeah and now um let's pretend we didn't have COVID, but you know, back. So what, what's the history of powwow? So there's two versions of the powwows because so the like celebratory kind of like show aspect of it that we have now is a mix of both. Cause it, I forget what it, it was called. It was called like wild bills 
something or another. It was like a, some sort of show, basically, like the spectacle, almost like the Ringling Brothers. or, um, And that was kind of like the more like, I don't want to say circus because it's definitely not a circus, but like the more like bring the crowds in and everybody come in because back in the day, it was kind of just like a celebration of like, like uh, friends and family and wealth and stuff like that. And you'd bring in, you'd bring in people from other communities or, and like host them and like do the dances and uh, you know, like feast and stuff like that or gifts and whatnot. And so it was a like, social, very much so a social opportunity and it was, organized so that you're one band and you would invite other bands that were were or even yeah relatives or people that were surrounding or mm -hmm. like it's it was just time for travel because it was nice out right and like the spring and summer and stuff like that and people could you're not trudging through the snow and get yeah. going from place to place right so when it's nice out you could go and there's like i'm sure there was a circuit to some extent as there is now but uh yeah. And then you'd get invites back to where yes. other bands would do their powwow and so on. So um, describe it to somebody who's never been to powwow. What's going on in the current kind of powwow? So oh, go get a scone dog. <laughs> That's <laughs> Indian tacos. That's if, if you don't like anything else to do with a, a powwow, you go there and get the food. Oh, it's so good. But outside of that, it's like... Uh, they do like the opening ceremonies and stuff like that. And uh, there's all kinds of different uh, dances and some of them are competitions. Like ours isn't usually, we, we have a couple like competitions, but there's some that have like huge prizes and people come from all over and uh, just different different dances representing different things. And things huge are... prizes so that people can then take that prize money to um, change their regalia, maybe buy n new, I don't know. Regalia I don't or, know about that. Maybe possibly, but I'm sure because some people make it, some people buy it, some people are relatives and whatnot. But you can definitely a lot of work goes into the regalia mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like the beads and the beadwork and stuff, and like the the intricacies of those are are crazy. But uh, yeah, so the prize money and stuff. It's like some people, like that's what they do. They travel the powwow circuit, like all over Canada or North America and stuff. Like we we've had dancers from like New Mexico and all over the place. So, wow. um, they come and like usually a little honorarium for like coming and then, uh, but some people will choose, excuse me. Some people will choose to go to a specific powwow if two are overlapping on the same weekend, because one of them's like competition more so than just, uh, like the friendly dancing aspect of it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, they, and you'll, you, a band job. will pay an honorarium to people coming in and yeah, dancing? usually. Oh, cool. Just the, a little something for thank you for coming and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what is it that um, keeps you in Skewgog? So, you know, we're, there are bigger communities beyond here. Um, why do you continue to live here? What is it that keeps you? I don't know. I'm on my way out. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. When I was younger, I couldn't wait to get out and like... We settled here when I was in third third grade, summer going into third grade. And then, yeah, I just I couldn't wait to get out. And when I, I did get out, I lived in the city for a couple of years and stuff and not not stoked on it and ended up coming back here. And I was just kind of all over the map. And I just, I didn't have like direction kind of or purpose I, or, or so I thought, I guess. And uh, I kind of went out west for a, a reset 
I did like a working vacation out there in like Banff and Lake Louise for a year and uh, came back here. And then I kind of had a drive to like pursue art as a, as a whole, because that's kind of what it boiled down to. What I always wanted to do was be a cartoonist when I grew up. So it's like mm -hmm. I'm living my my dream job, essentially. Right. So yeah. that's that's super rad. But um, so when I came back, I went back to school um, at Durham for art and design. And then uh, after that, I just kind of worked different jobs and ended up uh, doing art and selling some art until it got to a point where I couldn't balance the two. And I was working on um, on the reserve, actually, as an IT assistant, and I had to kind of decide. And yeah, that was yeah. or September of 2020. So it's been like whatever that is, a year and eight months or something like that, or work, working for myself. But And then being here, it's just like, I have great opportunities for work and stuff. I love, like, my parents are right around the corner from me, as is my brother and stuff. I've got, like, beautiful friends here and, like, great relationships with people. And um, the further you go, the smaller the world gets, too. Like, nothing's unattainable, I think. Like, in even though I'm from, like, little old Port Perry and on the island and stuff, and I think that, like, I can still call this home, but still reach those those other places and you travel a fair bit I you, try. you yeah and you travel so that you can well, primarily because you find some tattoo artist <laughs> somewhere that you want so is is that always or sometimes it's music uh, what what gets you traveling where have you been recently i yeah i so i when i was younger i never saw like back like 10 plus years ago my ex she used to she travel all over the place. Like she'd go to Australia. She's like, oh, you want to come to Australia? I'm like, no, why would I want to go to Australia? <laughs> and I just never, ever wanted to travel anywhere. And then, like, as I got older, it's like, that's all I want to do. Like, every three months, I want to do something. Like, I just, uh, where did I go? I went to Vegas and Arizona and California in December for a couple weeks and just did, like, a, a road trip tour there. And, like, I, I do get tattooed when I go to these places, but, like, I used to just go and get tattooed. Like last time I was in Arizona, I didn't do anything except for get tattooed, which is dumb. <laughs> so now when I go, I travel and book around the tattoo and like yeah. turn it into a vacation and stuff like that. Or sometimes it is music. Like I go at West Lots and usually it's just like I have friends out there and stuff because I lived out there and even some from hometown and I don't know. I just like even like Montreal. It's nice and close, but I just love the city. It's yeah, very, you like it's Montreal. It's very art driven too, and there's lots yeah. of lots of cool stuff there. Like I'm, I have a like, little clothing company called Alive at Night that brings me to those places as well for like the bike shows or tattoo conventions. I'm going out to Montreal on the 21st for a bike show. And so Alive at Night, describe that business to us. Um, that's just my little side hustle that I that I created because I couldn't find anything that I wanted to wear that was kind of free speech and just a little bit lowbrow <laughs> based on like my interest in like horror and tattoos and graffiti and dick and fart jokes honestly it's just it's just like me in a physical uh form that people can buy and wear so patches and pins and shirts and hats and stuff like and that. how do they buy it well how do where do they go uh, my website's down right now, but normally you can buy it online because I'm kind of doing a, a revamp on things for okay. COVID was kind of just 
weird for it and i i put it on the back burner a little bit but you used to go out to events oh yeah take oh i'm getting there i'm getting yeah Yeah. and so uh covid kind of like backburnered it while i focused on my art and stuff too and i've implemented a lot more of my art into the brand itself because i used to be like i didn't even like hanging my own art on the walls (laughs) let alone put it on products for people to buy and stuff i just shy about it or something i don't know yeah but, it takes courage doesn't it to put but, it out yeah. there now i just i don't care if people like it they like it and if they don't beat it no. yeah <laughs> but uh yeah and then so i do like i pick and choose now what i do like more so than feel like i need to do all the opportunities that arise but i do like usually motorcycle shows um tattoo conventions and then certain other events that are around like there's one in windsor that i'll do every time and like there's punk rock flea markets and different things like that. So, um, yeah, you can buy them all there. And, I and it's basically you're doing it so that you're selling merch that you've designed. Yeah. Well, some yeah. of it, I like, I like most of the t-shirts and stuff, even some the back patches are usually other people because like as a small artist, I like to support artists oh, and stuff. And like, okay. I can't like the way that I picture something in my head, it's almost like a tattoo. It's like, I've come up with a concept for like 90% of my tattoos, but I haven't drawn any of them. I just find somebody that I think will execute it properly and then bring them on board to do it under the Alive at Night banner. So they're all basically like, I guess they're a collaboration to some extent, even though it's not like my name and their name on it as much as like, I still let everybody know who designed it and where it came from and stuff like that. But yeah, I just like to support all kinds of local stuff and not even local, just things that like, some of them are like graffiti writers from Rhode Island that I just enjoy. Some of them are huge like skateboard designers from like LA and stuff. Like some of them are tattooers from whatever San Diego. It's like it's there's no rhyme or reason behind some of it. And some of it's just weird little mottos that I like to say. There are some of them are like lyrics from a song that I like to put an image to and create a T-shirt out of it. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, like, there's other t-shirts they can buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's next for John Colwell? Oh, what's coming up? I don't even know. So I guess I have, like, some murals in, in the books right now. Um, I'm going to a Hiawatha First Nation to do one here in a couple of weeks. I've got some booked for – I'm going to the power plant tomorrow for a consultation on a mural, and then uh, – in Will- Willow Grove in Stouffville is my next one as well, or my next one after that. And um, I'm just going to keep doing my art. I have commissions and lots of those like mashups coming. People have been kind of going bonkers for them, which is really cool. And um, I've been contacting galleries. That's kind of my next mission because, um, oh, here's a deep one for you. So I was watching this movie on Netflix. It was called Don't Look Up. Have you seen it? No, wait. I th- Leonardo DiCaprio and right. Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, okay. So I watched I think- that, and this isn't a spoiler, but if you're worried about this, I'll give you a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the last line in the movie was, uh, we really did have everything, didn't we? And for whatever reason, that just like slapped me in the mouth. And I just like laid there for like half an hour after the movie was done. And it just like hit me so hard because I was like, I find it very, like I'm very fortunate that it's like the things that I've done have brought me to the place that I am at right now. But, um, and even like I said earlier, all I wanted to be was a cartoonist when I was younger. And a lot of my big kind of stepping or my big uh, goals and stuff like that, I've hit a lot of those and I feel really fortunate. So I've kind of 
need to reassess that and sit down and kind of give myself the next kind of things like um, especially with with uh, the direction of art and stuff like that because I think you need to give it purpose and direction or it's not fulfilling when you create things mm -hmm. and so my next thing is kind of like I don't necessarily want gallery representation but I want to be in some like group shows and stuff so I've been putting out um, feelers and kind of just like sending out my work to galleries and ones that I kind of like um, enjoy following or the people that I am inspired by started at or have even work in currently and so I've got a couple of hits back and I'm going to be in a couple shows in 2023 and um, until I'm confirmed I won't say where and what mm -hmm. but um, there it's a gallery of like 25 years in LA and stuff like that and they have they've hosted some cool cool shows so it was it was kind of bonkers that I got a got a response back from them and uh, another one in Chicago as well so um, that's what I'm going to try and push is kind of like my my own art in these um, galleries and kind of like just put more eyes on it because they have a bigger following than I ever well hopefully not more than I ever have but <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, than me currently so if those people can you know sell my art for me or um, hang it on the walls even and just bring put eyes in it and whatnot I think that'll be super cool so that's kind of like my next short-term goals with with uh art and the direction that I'm going in wow that's just fabulous I'm, I look forward to uh the next conversation then because yeah. it'll be a little different it'll be Hopefully. more about you know yeah the progression of doing things so thank you very much no sweat. John Colwell and uh, to our audience, uh, Chi Miigwech for spending time with us today. And thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every week for another episode of Art Waves. Mm -hmm.